Okay, so the Naked Philosophy podcast. Um, where do you want to begin today? Let's just go into relationships yeah. because I feel like it's a juicy topic it area. It's a juicy topic area. Yeah, it's where people, yeah. you know, people want to know these things. Yeah. Um, and you know, I do have like some 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 topics Thoughts. to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. Know, as I'm sure you do as well. Yeah. 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 I I guess to set the context, we are. In a relationship. We are. Yes. Yes. Just so everyone knows. <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting it out there. Yes. Um, yeah. So this is obviously um, an experiment for the both of us to, we, we're charting um, uncharted waters mm. in the context of our relationship, but also yeah. the podcast we, and, you know, sort of relationship podcast. Definitely. It yeah. kind of feels like some of the things we might talk about would be news to either one of us as well. How do you mean? Like, you, you know, just we've because we haven't had necessarily this conversation in the context of our relationship. True, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like we might go, yeah, might mm. might, yeah, uncover. Ask some, uncover some awkward things. Oh, okay, true. <laughs> but, well, yeah, we'll, we'll it is what it is. is. Yeah. yeah. Anything that's like just too much, like you know, we'll be cut out. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, censored. So censored, that's right. Or just to be had offline, yeah, as you say. Yes. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, so, dating culture? Yeah, yeah, let's talk about dating culture. Um, because it is, you know, it's interesting because much is said about dating culture these days and, um, you know, it's under, receives a lot of criticism rightfully um but i guess sorry we should i just want to introduce the kind of the way in which we met right mm, like okay yeah and how it's quite different to um how say a lot of people are meeting now which is online yeah. and through dating yeah. apps um we met in the workplace mm-hmm. and we kind of you know would friends and colleagues for a very long time like probably two close years? to two years we just were speaking and getting to know each other and like sharing news articles and mm. talking about different concepts and mm. you know like financial advice and just boring kind of but what things that we found interesting yeah. kind of topical noteworthy things and yeah we just became very close in a very kind of friendly amicable yeah. kind of way and you know? we didn't work in the same team, um, yeah. which I think helped as yeah. well. And we weren't in a like manager-employee relationship. No, yeah. We were sort of equals yeah, on the similar grades and yeah. levels. Um, but we were colleagues. Yeah. 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 But I just find that interesting because at the same time as... Well, you know, we've gone on and we're now in relationship to one another. And yeah, at the same time as... as you know, um, that was sort of escalating in my past and, and, you know, at times, you know, um, before sort of I, um, got in relationship to you, I was using dating apps Mm -hmm. and I had experiences using dating apps Mm -hmm. as did you. Yes. And it's so different. Like you, Mm -hmm. you literally in a position where, um, you're swiping Mm -hmm. left or right. It's, just almost based purely, almost entirely on um, mm-hmm. image. Mm-hmm. You you're, you very rarely meet the people mm. um, unless you do go out on a date or mm. have casual sex or whatever it might be. 
Um, but point being, like, we thought, like, you know, the way we met and ended up getting together was kind of almost, like, tra- like refreshingly traditional. Mm-hmm. And we almost see it as, like, something that would have been unlikely to happen mm-hmm. had um, we only been using sort of dating apps. Well, or if we kind of met on Tinder. Yeah. It wouldn't have eventuated. Potentially, yeah. yeah. Or it would have, like, taken years to have gotten mm. the same depth of yeah. understanding of one another's personalities yeah, yeah. When, when i told some of my friends about how we met um their reaction was a little bit surprised you know oh you guys met organically like mm. in, in... It's, 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 it's a term for it now <laughs> yeah organic. organic yeah yeah an organic relationship is rarer i suppose these days mm. um yeah when you see little yeah. graphs which show like incidences mm-hmm. of people meeting it's um online dating is yeah. just like way yeah. surpassing everything now in yeah. a way i think um the fact that we met in the workplace and we were friends before it was a low stakes way of kind of testing compatibility because th- it was this um long period of just getting to know each other uh having interesting conversations and um, learning more about each other but without the stakes of needing to or feeling any pressure to make it something. Yeah, yeah, escalated into, like, a proper relationship. Yeah. In the context of, like, when you start having sex and dating yeah. someone, there's pressure yeah. time-wise to exactly. make it either go somewhere or to end it. Yeah. Or to, to be sure about it, even though, in many ways, you should have the freedom to sort of feel someone out for mm. quite a long time. Yeah, exactly. Know? Yeah. Mm. Mm. well yes it's it's very interesting so yeah that's just like i guess a a a brief introduction to to our relationship and you know what we find sort of interesting about it and what's funny is that like for maybe our parents it's just so there's nothing special about that at all that you know that's just like how they would have expected to meet their partner go to work or meet them at you know some other kind of like mutual activity um but yeah now it's considered organic (laughs) um but you know and what's so interesting about it is like on paper you'd think to yourself you know Mm. sort of just laws of like numbers and and economics like how it almost does seem absurd that you would meet someone you know you really like organically Mm. because the roll of the dice in terms of just the sheer numbers of people that you're meeting Mm. Uh, day-to-day and getting to know, you know, it's quite low, especially, Mm. um, I mean, you know, you and I have both been to university and that's, you know, you're exposed to a lot more people sort of um, Mm. face-to-face and in person. But, you know, say even that aside from when the time you graduate into the workforce, um, you and I have both been around maybe sort of like sort of three to Mm. four workplaces before service. Mm. If, you know, you're meeting sort of like-minded people of the opposite sex, it might be like, 30 people that you mm. sort of meet in that time, maybe 40. Um, you're certainly not getting to like know them all that well either. No, but, yeah. you know, but basically in terms of, so what I'm meant to be saying, in terms of the numbers game, mm. um, in, in terms of finding like the best partner for you, it does, uh, online dating seems like the best way to mm. achieve that because yeah. you're suddenly being able to cast this super wide net. Mm. And so to date organically, and find someone that you like 
in person seems does seem so analog it's it like seems archaic. like archaic archaic yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's like, like gosh did you write your number on a wall and then yeah. just like the next person to call you sort of started to yeah. date almost yeah um it seems it, it almost it, it seems like you're not being you're closing mm. you're limiting your horizons yeah or not utilizing yeah. technology in the best way like trying to do accounting with paper instead of an excel spreadsheet yes but yeah it's less efficient it seems like yeah just yeah. just as you put it perfectly not harnessing technology mm. to optimize your mate choice or, <laughs> or romantic choice yeah. but in reality we think that there's a definite argument in our experiences that mm. you know um to find someone organically has a lot of benefits in that while you know you can sort of increase the scale and and breadth of mm. your search mm. with technology it creates a kind of shallowness in some respects of the the sort of um the the depths in mm. which you're able to connect with others mm. um or it can do you yeah. know yeah. um particularly because the apps optimize for superficial traits mm. you know mm. um and that's what I think they potentially optimize for either, you know, chemistry in the sense of just like, I want to fuck this person because they're hot. Um, yeah. But uh, superficial traits as in like maybe things like heights, uh, sorry, height mm -hmm. or even, you know, um, achievement, like, you know, your degree or your mm -hmm. salary and things like that. Whereas that is, you know, as much as those things I'm sure are important, like, fundamentally and what the research i'm sure shows from what i've heard like in passing but not actually done in depth but it's that, like you know what makes relationship longevity is um traits you know income and looks are actually not uh highly correlated with marriage success it's mm. things like shared values mm. character you know mm. shared interests and relate like lifestyle choices you know um they're the sorts of things which which matter longer mm. term and the apps don't optimize for that you know mm. yeah there's a difference between chemistry and compatibility in terms of um you know s success in in terms of a long-term relationship yes and so the dating apps optimize for chemistry but it kind of um disincentivizes compatibility yeah well it doesn't match people up on compatibility mm. at all mm. so you're left in this situation where you'll find people that you have chemistry with and you're like mad but then you sort of do need to do the hard work of finding out whether you'd have mm. compatibility yeah. um and and that's that takes yeah. a lot more time yeah and and i was um when we were having this chat yesterday i mentioned with the technology we have now is I can't see a reason why they couldn't develop something that, you know, takes all of this data that they have on us and spit out a compatibility score yeah. um, and kind of match make in that way compared to this swiping culture. But it, but it doesn't, um, it doesn't incentivize people to stay on the apps. And that's, that's perverse because how can you make money as a business model if people are only using your product? kind of once yes and this is the kind of tech 
conspiracy theory, which is maybe not even much mm. of a conspiracy theory. It's just a statement of fact. Yeah. Mm. Sort of. But that, yeah, the big techs are incentivized yeah. to just attention grab and, you know, can mm. pr- perpetuate the money making machine rather than actually yeah. match people up. Actually, now that for, I'm thinking To get them off it, the apps. Yeah. Um, potentially, uh, as a female, if I was, you know, not dating you, I would be interested in paying a couple of hundred dollars to have a matchmaking service That's really that optimized. does something yeah. like take all of your data and match you up with other singles and spit out a compatibility score and then you can go on a date and see you know if there's chemistry mm. and that you know you've already got the compatibility aspect down the chemistry is just you know the final final touch yeah um because but it, yeah it, it's it's huge decision yeah. and most people are willing to pay a lot of money to find like yeah. the best person for them but the thing is it, it's almost and I, it's almost anti-feminist because um that's a viable business model, but it's not widespread. Um, and instead, we've got this um, Tinder type dating app because that's what people want. They want. So I missed the bit on something not being feminist. What? Which model? The um, the current dating model because yeah yeah it's, it's um, catering to casual sex, whereas um, the other model that I just described it's catering towards uh single monogamous relationships yes but this is what you've touched on a funny thing which obviously stirs a lot of controversy particularly in feminist circles if you've you've basically just made an argument Mm. that monogamy Mm. and committed relationships between men and women are actually pro-feminist which i would agree with yes But that is almost very counter to the sort of third wave feminism, sexual liberation movement that sort of claims that like marriage was a shackle on women's, Mm -hmm. you know, and and that making a free market of Mm -hmm. sex is is somehow a good thing for women. But yeah, I I would I would I would say it's it's been bad for women, and it's also been bad for men. It's been bad for everyone, and. Mm You know, it's it's funny that from the woman's perspective, you've just shared why you find Tinder yourself frustrating. Mm. And um, I could absolutely equally present the male perspective as to to why it's frustrating and bad for men. Because, you know, the sort of red pill, incel, like sort of sphere of the internet point out that um, dating apps fuck like so Mm. many men. They virtually get no matches. They're sort of at like it's this real bottom of the hierarchy, mm. and it's geared so that you know, um, the the you know the laws of supply and demand mm. basically make it so that um, a, a very very small percentage of mm. you know desirable attractive men mm-hmm. kind of almost get like a monopoly on the majority of the women, um, leaving a whole huge swathes of you know, disappointed, um, non sort of matchable mm. men who many of whom consider themselves involuntarily celibate. Mm. And then you also have these huge swathes of women who are highly disappointed mm. because they're all vying for, you know, Mr. Big Guy and they all can't, you know, have sex with him. Like, mm. or, or they can have sex with him, but they all can't get a committed relationship mm-hmm. out of him. Yeah. And so um, the only person that actually does well out of all of that is Mm. basically Mr. 1%. Mm. That's it, you know? Mm. And yeah, that's that's a free market, right? That's what Mm. economically is happening within Mm. free markets in Mm. capitalism. You know, you you have your Elon Musks and your Jeff Bezos and, Mm. and stuff and 
when you take those same dynamics within a sexual marketplace, mm. um, you you get your Elon Musk's and Jeff Bezos's of the of the dick game, and they basically are trillionaires with the getting the puss, mm, yeah. and it's it's, it's no it's good inequality. for it's exactly. sex inequality. It's sex inequality, and funnily enough, the term described is that monogamy is like socialization of the mm. sexual marketplace mm, mm. um because it forces pair bonding mm. which distributes sex mm-hmm. down the chain mm. and you would say that that's more feminist and again mm. i agree with you because ultimately what do women on average want they want committed partners that mm. aren't gonna fuck them around mm-hmm. and are gonna give them uh, you know, look after them, basically. Yeah. I, I think for know. the most part, yes. There's this argument or this, um, you know, a th- thought that strong, independent women can have sex and not want mm. a committed relationship. And that's fair. I'm sure there, there's variance within populations. Yeah. There are yeah. many women who power to them. That's what they mm-hmm. want. Yeah. But is it representative of all women? Is it representative of most women even? So, yeah. yeah. Most and women. I think from my personal experience, it's I was deluding myself um, mm. because of this, uh, this notion that you had to be emotionally independent. Otherwise, you're a needy kind of... Weak, weak brainwashed weak woman. Weak woman. Anti-feminist. That's right. You're... you're, yeah. you're Simpy as a woman, you're you're, you're too mm. caught up in your mm. weak emotions, mm. yeah. Yeah, uh, which which is is wrong. And I, I guess on that, like, I think the feminists are hundred percent right in that. Like, women should absolutely be able to out earn men and mm. have their careers. And if they're just more competent in a job, hundred yeah. percent, they should get it. Don't hold themselves back. But that you know, having a sort of masculine energy in in say certain areas like your career. Um, mm. is quite different to having a masculine sexual energy and thinking, oh, mm. I can just fuck like a guy and, mm. and you know, have heaps mm. of casual sexual partners. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, it's like, let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater mm-hmm. and let's sort of maybe understand something a little bit deeper about yeah. our, the different psyches of the sexes yeah. in generalizable terms. Yeah. And, yeah. and when we think about feminism as, you know, quality of the sexes, there's a difference between equality in terms of opportunity and options compared to equality of outcome. And so when we think about the sex kind of market, as you describe it, women might now have equality of opportunity to have sex without stigma. But when it comes to the outcomes, women bear the risk of the downsides of casual sex so much more than men do just physically. Um, if you know you were to be impregnated, you'd physically carry the baby. Yeah. Um, you'd have. It's a cost. Yeah, you yeah. have the risk of um, being dominated physically by a stranger. Yeah, going um, to their home yeah. or allowing them in your home—it's mm. risky. It's risky. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I think there's still a bit of a, a stigma around the body count as well, mm. um, compared to you know men. There is. And to, just for the, our listeners, I'm sure they're familiar with it, but what, describe that dynamic. What, is, you know. The body count yeah. aspect. I, I guess um, 
it, I have a, sex with 50 women, you have sex with 50 men. What does that mm, mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, which which one of those sound Well, worse? I'll get I'm a chad if I do that. Yeah. I'm a, a big dog if yeah. I if I have sex with 50 women. How would you describe society's perception of a woman who has sex with 50, 50 guys? 50 guys. I I mean yeah, like it's just, you know, you'd, be, you'd call she, her. You think she's a she's a risk taker. <laughs> she's a, a much more political. <laughs> as is the guy, but yeah, no, there it is, and there's yeah. a stigma, and feminists, I guess, are right to just point. Like it is a double yeah. standard. Yeah, I'm gonna ask something quite controversial, okay. which might ruffle a few feathers, which is, is the double standard a byproduct that is almost like baked into our biology or a mm. result of our biology and okay this is the part where i'm okay. being uh, purposefully provocative is it justified like is there a kind of justification almost uh. for for it in the sense that to quote jordan peterson <laughs> to 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 um trigger some people um a man who is capable of being very attractive and seducing a lot of women. Mm. I think he, the way he says it is, there's not, um, nothing. That's something he's like that. That is meaningful mm-hmm. in some way or shape or form. There's, it says something about him and I might not all say good things, but it's, it's, it demonstrates competency of a kind, mm-hmm. you know, um, purely because in the dynamics of the sexual marketplace, mm-hmm men uh, have to seduce. Mm, mm. They have, you know, women aren't necessarily going to mm. give it up that easily mm-hmm. and, and men have to kind of mm. um, elicit mm. that or, or mm. woo, you know, that there's a kind of skill involved. And so I think that's what translates to the sort of admiration even or valorization mm. of a man who is sexually seen as sexually competent mm. whereas i think for women and you know i'm open to being challenged but um it, it's a, it's a lot easier for a woman to just get laid if she wants to in, in a, right. if she wants to like i'm saying most women rightfully mm would prefer to, to be a bit more selective about their partners. But if they just decided to not be selective mm-hmm. and think like a guy, mm-hmm. fuck like a guy, within the space of a month, a determined woman could have sex with 50 men. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just find a different guy each night. You know, I don't disagree with you. And I think it, it um, kind of highlights the perverse incentive structure that's there, um, which causes this outcome of... Um, you know, making women look worse than men when it comes to the body count. It's this mm. because mm. men are incentivized to um, seek out as many partners as possible because of because it's a representation of skill and um, admiration. You know, it receives admiration, whereas women, are, you know, it's it's representative that women are taking more risk, which is, mm. um, which is, there are evolutionary reasons why for men it's unattractive because mm. it's kind of yeah it, seen as, um, they get the, the cuckold yeah. aversion type <laughs> thing. Like, you know, like no guy wants to raise kids that aren't his. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. And, exactly. And it's also, you question their decision making. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I, you, I like, you know, to be very frank now, you are like, you know, if a woman, like, I don't, I'm not going to be judgmental, like prostitutes or even women with high body counts. But personally, like, if I dated a woman knew that she had, like, you know, had sex with a lot of guys, mm. it's not even like, like, I can write, you know, say she used a condom every time and all that, you know, like, it's not, I think my rational brain can override the primitive kind of, oh, she's carrying other men's kids and mm. like, you know, she's going to cheat on me. She's mm. more unreliable or this sort of stuff. It can sort of override that. But I think what it doesn't override is I would, I just question a woman that isn't a prostitute that has had sex with say like a hundred guys. Mm. I think to myself, huh, like that, you're... Mm a risk taker basically that like i just thought mm. you were you were prepared mm. to sort of go to the house or invite mm. this many men into your life yeah. at one point who held you down and fucked you because that is what we do mm-hmm. um that's a lot of time like a lot of times to open yourself up to to risk yeah and and, yeah. and that's what would that's the thing that would get me I th- mm. you know because you just think of in ter- it's like in what other areas uh, is this person you know, they like to joyride. And I know that that's a potentially politically incorrect take. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you should be able to compartmentalize all these. Maybe they're just a pleasure seeker. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think it's a very different thing to the, you know, a woman that I could very easily imagine a woman racking up a body count of like 15, even 20 and mm-hmm. not being in that mm-hmm. category of like a high risk taker. Mm-hmm. Purely because, you know, if you're someone that's, attractive and has a lot of guys mm-hmm. going after you you know what's that like say every six months you just had a new boyfriend mm-hmm. um six years that's 12 guys yeah you know yeah. so that i'm not i'm certainly not in this vein of like you see a lot of like the sort of red tube sorry red pillar guys that are like more than five and they're a fucking whore and stuff mm-hmm. and you think like dude you've like you have you need to work through some shit you know yeah um yeah it's like even you know, that I don't personally have a threshold or I think a number's mm. arbitrary. Mm. But, you know, if I... Say I knew a woman who'd, like, been in some orgy, mm. like, night after night and yeah. fucked, like, you know, yeah. 40 guys, I'd just be like, not each to their own, yeah. but... That's a lot of risk-taking. You're a risk-taker. Yeah. I'm risk-averse. Yeah. I'm a risk-averse man. Yeah. What if it was, yeah. like, non-sexual and it was someone who was, um, you know a bungee jumper who you know a, a professional yeah. risk taker yeah. in some extreme sport well i think i agree like mm. you're quite a risk averse person mm. i'm quite a risk averse person i think i'm not that attracted to hyper risk averse people mm. you know it's risk, a bit risky yeah, hi, yeah sorry hyper risky people mm. um yeah if, if i met a woman who you know loved just putting money into yeah. like risky assets to try and get a really good return <laughs> on their money. And, you know, um, yeah, dude, like yeah. loves jumping out of airplanes. There might be certain aspects of it that I do find really attractive mm-hmm. and might want to date, might have chemistry with, but like the compatibility, yeah. I just sort of, yeah. yeah. So there you go. It's not slut shaming. It's just <laughs> risk management. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. And this part can be cut out, but what's really interesting is like when we started dating, I mean, we never really talked about body count. Well, no, we didn't. And that's what I think a healthy relationship should. Like, why should I give a fuck for literally specific arbitrary numbers? Mm. And that's why I say I'm not like 
in the argument that I've just made, which might ruffle a lot of feathers, yeah. in my actual practice, like I'm not, I don't actually care how many partners mm. my partner slept with, and I haven't ever asked. You haven't, yeah. Um, but it's a vibe, you yeah, know. It's yeah. a, it's just a vibe, and, and like that's what I think what matters. It's like when you're meeting someone, you're coming to the table. Mm. Um, you know, if you told me you'd slept with like a hundred plus guys. Yeah. I honestly don't think it would change. I wouldn't dump you. I wouldn't, you know, I'd want to keep saying, but I would be so, so, so surprised. Yeah. Like I would be like, wow, like what? <laughs> you must've been a very different person. Like mm. at that point in time, cause mm. you're so changed now. Yeah. And, and that's all I would say, you know, and, and that would, could be fine. We could yeah. work and we could yeah. get married, but like, um, most people you meet, mm. you know, who have, potentially had sex with like you know 100 plus people mm. um they've done that because they're a particular type of person mm. and they're still a particular mm-hmm. type of person mm. you know um so i'd expect if i were to meet women who had a super high body count they're, they're probably like some kind of a party girl mm. or something and mm. they like a particular lifestyle mm. and you know which um, isn't the lifestyle that you necessarily want I'm risk averse. That's the thing. I'm, that's right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, mm. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We don't need to cut that part out. That's okay. fine. All right. Um, anyway, what I'm sort of, I've lost my train of thought a little bit. Yeah. We've um, covered a lot of, we've really gone into this particular area. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Date, dating, um, dating apps. Um, body count yeah i guess what yeah that's right so we're going to the the dynamics of the body count so what do i guess okay more Mm. uh, stepping back looking to the future based on what we've discussed Mm. do you ever see a time in the future Mm. in which there won't be a a um double standard in the body count you know like mm. if whatever this patriarchy that sort of exists is abolished mm. you know or, or or what i'm saying is like is it not a sort of feature if mm. you like of our human sort of sexual relations that's it's almost inherently baked in there is what not a feature uh, uh the, the the double standard the body count right double like sexual the, right. body standard from a almost biological yeah like what are the circumstances in which there will never be a double standard i almost think mm. there there is there won't be a point in which there's a mm. never kind of a double standard there or you know yeah. we can have such strong uh, opposition to mm. the double standard and and values as a society that mm. we never speak about this yeah. this double standard but psychologically i yeah. think like it, it's just probably going to, always going to be an unspoken thing. Mm. You know? I guess like the environment would have to be um, a culture where it's where it's celebrated that women have lots of sex. Which is well, kind Which, of what third wave feminism has tried to do. Yes. Has it uh, worked though? But, gosh, I lost my train of thought, but I think... Um, 
the risk uh, the risk would have to be removed from mm. the female um, domain. Yeah. And I think there's something I to do with childbirth. Yes. And having kids. Well, I think again, this is what the feminists would argue is that in many ways the risks have been removed because one men just should in no way have any right to physically overpower a woman. If they do, they should be persecuted and go Mm. to jail. There's also contraception, which Mm. removes the the birth sexual disease aspect Mm. of it. So all those things being equal, Mm. women Mm. should be free to have as much riskless Mm. sex Mm -hmm. as men. Mm. I do think the point that it neglects though is just, human psyches mm. and psychology and, and generalizable averages yeah. in the way in which men think about sex mm. and the ways in which women mm. think about sex. And that, to my mind, is never going to change. Like, okay, men are very happy to have lots of casual sex. Right. You mean the emotional aspect? The, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The emotional, psychological aspect. Whereas I think, yeah. you know... Obviously, there are outliers, but a lot of women and most of the women I think I've ever known or Mm. dated or anything like that Mm. are kind of just a lot more, would prefer a committed relationship, Mm. you know, Mm. Um, less variety and more quality, Mm. Mm -hmm. quality over quantity, whereas Mm. guys are happy to have plenty of variety and quantity. Mm. and maybe think about quality when it comes to like a long-term yeah, partner. It kind of co- comes down the que- to the question of commitment. Why, why do you think it is that men don't seem to value commitment as much as women? And kind of, because what you were saying just earlier kind of makes that an assumption. That yeah. Wo- that men, you know, they want variety. They want um, quantity. That, yeah. that, presupposes a lack of commitment. Well, I think we're wired that way. We're mm. wired as monkeys that want to fuck because, you know, I, I think men have a bit... Like, men can do both. Mm. I think we live in... We've large, we have evolved to be... Mm. To, to copulate to, to, or to partner yeah. because it is essential to child rearing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so men definitely have that switch. Mm. Um but we also have this other switch, which is the low risk, high return, opportunistic fuck. You know, and if you're mm. thinking about your monkeys in a tribe or, or even your, your early pre sort of civilizational humans, you'd have partners and families as sort of like maybe like parts of like a nuclear family forming. Yeah. But if the opportunity arises for men to have low risk, high reward, mm. shoot your semen, shoot mm. your load into the baby maker get out of the scene and mm. have someone else raise the kid. Like that is an opportunity. Mm. Mm. And and so I don't know, I think that maybe like I'm just getting into the like the the um I'm sure there's plenty of people who think that like evolutionary psychology is a, a joke and, mm. and and it's probably potentially a very unscientific take. I'm mm. open to those criticisms. But that just seems like I, I think that, you know, is the the kind of you know, even the, the the fact that a guy can just shoot off literally like mm. hundreds and hundreds of loads mm. and continue to propagate and impregnate others. Mm. Meanwhile, the woman's physiology is like once you've got a baby mm. baking, mm. you're out of action. Yeah. Definitely out of action for six months. Mm. And you're also suddenly like 
you know, have a child that you need to look after. Mm. So it's all those factors which mean that like long-term sort of um, guarantee Mm. or promise of like assistance and support and resources Mm. matters a a heap, Mm. you know. Mm. Um, Whereas like for guys they've you know um that isn't always essential to their reproduction Mm. they can get lucky by you know um they can make babies without necessarily having to commit to the resources Mm. as much as they should Mm. and if they you know would increase the Mm. the the likelihood of their offspring surviving Mm. they do invest Mm. but um there's also a a chance that they can get away with mm. propagating their genes without the investment. And yeah. a lot of it has to do with the fact that they don't physically carry the baby. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. If every time a guy fucked, he suddenly <laughs> got pregnant yeah. and then like had to, that would just change everything. Yeah, exactly. That would just, uh, fun, you're right. Yeah. You're right. And that's why I look at my own, like literally when I've been using Tinder, if every time I got on Tinder, there was the chance that, after I've nutted, mm. I'd be pregnant with this potential you, stranger's... Carrying. I'm carrying a stranger's yeah. child. You know, and exactly. And that's what I guess I'm saying is like even, yeah. you know, you throw condoms and contraception into that and I know rationally that I, that isn't going to happen to mm. me. Just the, the fact that that's baked into my genes mm-hmm. and, you know, um, anatomy mm. has a psychological and emotional yeah. impact yeah. on the, in the ways in which, like, men and women have different yeah. sex sexualities. And the risk isn't sexuality. zero. The risk no. isn't zero. That's right. Condoms can so, break. Yeah. So it's, it's what I mean. The, the female is carrying that additional risk every time they're partaking in a casual sex, um, you know, environment. Um, they're, they're having that extra burden of potentially being pregnant. And I think to go back to your question about a future in which um, that body, you know, body count doesn't matter, that women can in actuality enjoy and partake in as much casual sex or sex as men, you'd have to remove that childbearing aspect Mm. in order for that to truly be equal for them to have the same outcome when, when it comes to participating in lots of sex yes yeah and that's near impossible like, like maybe know. they come up with a miracle drug where you, you'd never oh i guess they like, want to come up with male contraception i suppose yeah or like yeah. it's it's possible now to i guess uh oh actually is it so you know how men get their tubes tied is there a mm. female equivalent I don't know. I think yeah. there's like you can get like the rod put in your arm, which like that's a form of contraception. Form, it's just though. they're just yeah. forms of contraception. That's yeah. right. But see, this is I don't think your that's an it's the so, it's a software problem. Mm. You can make all these changes to the hardware, right, right. But the software that is run mm. in this risk averse mm. tendency towards monogamy. Mm. Or, or committed relationship yeah. is it's a software platform that women are running and you can change what you want by tying the tubes mm. to the hardware mm. but the software remains the same i think the software will evolve over time once the hardware uh, i guess um reaches that point where women don't bear the burden of child 
child carrying. Yeah, yeah. Ha- having said that, yeah, though, but when's that ever gonna happen? Yeah, having yeah. said that, I I do think women would still want to because I mean, if I had the option, I'd still want a family. Uh, well, and, and look, and I think yeah. that's the decision that men come round to. Yeah. Um, certainly in a, in a culture that eventually prioritizes monogamy and childbearing mm-hmm. is, and that's like guys, you know, you, you're either, you, you just make that sacrifice in the start. You're like, look, I'm a one girl kind of yeah. guy and I just like to have committed relationships mm. and then I get married and mm. you know, that's a solid good guy. Um, and then there's also the, the thing of like, even most kind of playboys are expected at some point to sort of settle down and want a family. Yeah, you know, most, most it's yeah. rare that a guy will be like, no, nope, I just want to keep fucking mm. nonstop until the day I die. And they exist, they sure. Do. But yeah. I think they're in the minority Definitely. even compared to like, like a, yeah. a small 1%. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think one day if we were to become completely divorced from our evolutionary biology, then at that point we could... Uh, have you know some of the things that you're describing that true equality mm. but because there's so such fundamental differences between men yeah. and women uh it's not happening right now yeah and i guess that would be just the major criticism or pushback to to the fe- third wave feminism it's like you're not wrong in highlighting that this social structure exists mm. and that it's a double standard mm. But the the problem is is that, that you have to acknowledge that social structures aren't just concocted in vacuums. Mm. Um, they do come from a Somewhere. mishmash of yeah. different places, one of which is a very strong kind of biological, mm. psycho, social, cultural kind of mm. t- set of values and behaviours yeah. and, and beliefs which contribute to that social structure. So you abolish the social structure. You don't necessarily do anything to change the sort of underlying mm. um, b- behaviours that mm. contributed to the original formation of that social yeah. structure. Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> well, I think I-, I can introduce a thing for us to potentially wrap up on, mm-hmm. which is that... I'm, I can increasingly see why proponents, again, of marriage and monogamy see it as actually a tool of equality or, or a, a, a tool of, you know, mm. um, or, you know, socialism, if you like, or, or sort of, a, yeah, an egalitarian social structure mm. in the sense that um, you know, in the absence of being able to like, mm. um, change our biologies and psychologies mm. to the point at which there ceases to be a double standard between you know, the sexes and mm. the, the way in which we experience our different sexualities and, um, uh, relate to one another sexually. Um, wh- what, what, well, just another thing that, that monogamy and marriage do is that, um, particularly in the context of body counts, is, is rather than abolish the double standard mm. and, and remove it from existence 
and then creating this sort of the sexual free market. Instead, what it does is it almost like you fundamentally acknowledge the double standard, mm. see it as a basic, almost insoluble problem, mm. but then the the social structure of forced monogamy and, and marriage and pair bonding mm. kind of produces a structure and system which seriously negates the effects of our um, kind of primitive operating system. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It it kind of overrides the software Mm -hmm. and forces us to be more kind of um, less less savage, basically. Like, less... um, drawn and and um sorry like less guided by our kind of base instincts Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and more forced into a position where we have to instantly think about sort of the longer term Mm. and and being you know more committed Mm. and and that almost like evens the kind of playing field if Mm. you like between men and women like suddenly mm. if you take off the table casual sex and, yeah. you know, you, you're sort of normalizing this idea of pair bonding, yeah. Yeah. you know, again, there's a very strong argument for being, for marriage actually being feminist because it mm. removes men's power to exploit women for sex and mm. sex alone. You know, it, oh, yeah. it almost means that we start playing on the playing field mm. that is geared towards gratifying women's sexual hardware more mm. so than, than, than men's mm. or not so much not men's because mm. men can get a lot of value out of monogamous mm. sexual relationships, but it all, you know, it forces us into the higher level, higher order goal mm. of having deeper, meaningful connection mm. and child rearing yeah. rather than just free market mm. debauchery. Mm. You know, I think the argument can be made, um, when you think about the intent of marriage acting in that way but it's so fundamentally flawed i think at the moment because extramarital affairs and also the fact that marriages are deeply it feels that can be deeply uneven in terms of what each party bring into the relationship and marriage and so i can see where the argument is against that uh, but but I do agree. I you, think... you mean the arguments that say marriage can be very exploitative? Yeah, yeah. I can see that, see validity in that. But I think... The thing is, feminists and incels agree. <laughs> they just think men and women, each in their own way, are getting the raw end of the stick. You know, the feminists mm-hmm. would say it's like controlling and, and oppressive, yeah. and, but all the incels say it's like a way in which women just like suck resources off men <laughs> so like fucking whichever way like whatever shit sandwich you're like you can depending on your perspective and point of view mm. and what um inequality you want to highlight mm. you can frame it as either bad or good for women mm. maybe it's the case that there are trade-offs on just yeah. both ends yeah. and in a good marriage it's seen as a good mutually agreeable trade-off and in a bad marriage it's seen as a as bad trade-offs you know and and i don't think that marriage should be discounted because it's not executed correctly or it's not executed well Mm. because 
it, it's an inherent um, force of social stability to have marriage and families and you know that pairing off that you kind of talked talked to but it can be optimized and improved um, through modernization of how you know men and women are treated within the marriage mm. Mm. it's just a matter of utilizing the tool better rather than getting rid of it altogether exactly don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And that ultimately is where we come back. Like you or I are not religious. We no. are not religious people. But marriage, and I early on like was mm. anti-marriage because I was sort of anti-organized religion. Mm. And I just associated marriage with, with organized religion. Yeah. Um, and it seemed as though organized religion were the only ones that were actually trumping, trumpeting the benefits mm. of, of, um, of marriage mm. but the problem with it is you know and in some ways this i found it stupid is that i found their arguments for marriage to be fucking stupid like mm. i love this you say you know it's about the union of god mm. and man mm. and woman and it's what god wants and i think well i don't think god exists mm. so this is a fucking dumb argument mm. like you're mm. not convincing me that marriage is good whereas now i'm coming from the perspective of like all this backdrop of experience mm. with different forms of relationships and mm. sort of critically interrogating social structures and i can see so many good strong completely non-religious secular mm. arguments mm. for marriage mm. or at least monogamy and pair bonding you know you don't need to actually get married you can mm. just be a de facto couple or whatever mm. um but it's more that that structure of of coupling mm. um yeah, and and it's like almost over time, there was a wisdom mm. to the structure of marriage, mm. but through message simplification and just mm. time mm. and and uh, the erosion of certain old social structures, that message has been lost, mm. and and it's been tainted by the religious overtime. Yeah, or I don't think yeah. it's helped. I don't no. think it's helped, particularly because there's no wisdom in just saying do this because God thinks it's the mm. good thing to do, mm. you know, whereas um, now I do think modern couples who are proponents of marriage mm. are sort of more discovering the more modern kind of secular mm. wisdom and reasoning mm. within the value of marriage, which mm. I, I think is more powerful. You know, I mm. think, um, I think it's a hundred percent something that needs to be taught to women in particular, you know, for, for women who are battling away in a, in a sort of um, free sexual marketplace, mm. a sexual f- free market, mm. and are, are not happy, mm. you know. Um, I would maybe disagree with you there on that point um, about women particularly needing that advice. I don't think that they are unaware. I think it's they're just playing the game in which the incentives are stacked against them. And so, if anything, men should be kind of preached. Well, that, it's yeah. very true. I don't yeah. think there's, you're right in that there's probably not a need to actually gender, make yeah. it gender specific. It's, it's beneficial to both men and women to understand mm. the dynamics of what's mm. kind of going on and understand the trade-offs mm. from both ends. Mm. What I more just said was from the perspective of like these kind of, pink washed feminist kind of think pieces that sort of get shoved down like college educated college age Mm. women's throats Mm. which are that you know go and 
fuck like a dude and you'll be happy sort of thing. More just mm. a response to that. Right, right. You know, um, like, hold on. Like, like those yeah. magazines that kind of yeah. Um, yeah. preach how to have enjoyable casual sex. Casual sex. Because for guys, like, you do not need to write that article for guys. Like, we mm. fucking know, like, how much mm. sort of fun we have with, like, string again generalization there are mm. plenty of guys so i'm sure that that Don't. much prefer just low risk monogamy but um i know a lot of guys who are just complete fucking savages who mm. do not need to telling that and like the advice to guys would more be like um you know just be aware that um you know that might not necessarily make you happy longer term and stuff. Mm. And, but also the dynamics of Tinder, mm. um, will mean that it's actually pretty difficult for you to pursue that and mm. pursue it. Well, like you more than likely find that, um, your confidence takes mm. a big hit when mm. you actually don't get many matches at all mm. and don't get disenfranchised by that and think that you know you're ugly and not wanted it's just the market so it's the dynamics of that mm. of those apps you mm. know um and that yeah my my you know it almost just sound like a, a sort of boomer parent or something but your advice to your kids like whether mm. or to young people whether male or female would ultimately be try and be the best version of yourself mm. be a good person and try and find another good person that you like basically yes and have good sex with someone that you like yeah and see where it goes my advice to someone maybe younger me would be to uh avoid dating apps probably um you know it's totally fine if you want to be curious and kind of test it but don't have high expectations and don't get sucked into um letting the dating apps affect your psychology and your mental mm. kind of self-esteem and your um your mental health as well um and in terms of um uh, you know meeting someone that you like just put yourself out there a bit more i think mm. um i think a lot of people turn to dating apps now because it's easy to 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 meet people without necessarily having to go out and um interact with people you know go to different events and partake in different groups and um you know teams and things like that um and especially with covid because mm. that yeah. would have impacted the ability of people to kind of go outside of their usual social bubble and just mix and mingle with strangers mm. for, for two years almost it's a long time it's a long time of um having your ability to meet random people impacted very um and so yeah my advice would be to those two things i like what you said about put yourself out there because yeah. that's one coming full circle back to you know talking about us and, and our relationship something that we kind of didn't mention mm. is it as well like you know contrary to kind of uh traditional maybe like uh male female mm. dating pursuit dynamics mm. is you actually made the first move on me I did. you, you yeah. asked me to dinner mm. um and yeah i was done with waiting you were done with waiting and you put it out there and you know that's it's very rare like i think if you look at surveys yeah. only like 15 or 20 percent of women yeah. say that they're comfortable sort of making the first move mm. on guys and 
even as as a guy, I felt like I always had him like I you like chasing, you know, you like sort of mm. seducing and getting the number and all that sort of thing. And so it was a bit of a kind of like yeah, it just it didn't feel a bit different for yeah. me. Um yeah. Yeah. I think in some there are reasons which I don't need to go into details as to why I think it ended up panning that way because yeah. I do think, you know, I felt like it was going that way anyway. You thought it was inevitable. I, I did. That's what I said when we were talking about this offline. I said I thought it was, it was just inevitable that you'd be seduced. Um, no, but uh, I, I did think it was going that way, but because of my, to be honest, I'll go there, I, like my sort of more avoidant... Um, personality when it comes to dating i i just kept kind of almost like putting it off if you like, mm. like trying to buy myself more time <laughs> like oh let's do hikes not dinner you know let's do uh, let's just chat let's just do walks mm. not yeah let's just keep chatting let's just keep sharing articles and like <laughs> advice and stuff you know without actually going because i'm you know if i had asked you to dinner mm. I, I know for a f- that's like i'm making a big mm. play Mm. of like I want you now like you know mm. and so I just it was, I just you kept it in the friend zone I, I, you, well I no because I didn't say like oh I'd love to go to dinner with you as friends that would be yeah, true. but I kept it in the limbo like I, yeah. I bought I was buying myself time <laughs> because of my just sort of avoiding personality but when you sort of forced me to like make a call by asking me to dinner mm. You know, uh, if I knock you back, mm. you know, I could only, at that point, it pretty much forces my hand. Right. And like, um, yeah, in the moment, I just thought, look, like this, why not? Like, I'd be looking for excuses not to date you rather than, like, I had heaps of reasons to mm-hmm. date you. Mm-hmm. You know, I would have had to look for reasons <laughs> not. And my only reasons not, mm-hmm. you know, to be a, 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 a savage uh, mm-hmm. monkey man is that it, it, it is a sacrifice mm, like because you, you, you have limit options. you limit options basically mm. yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so there you go yeah. it is a sacrifice but it's, you know it's a trade-off that you know i mm. guess is worth having <laughs> you guess i guess i wanted to finish just on on a slight adaptation of, of um Jordan Peterson's advice, which if I was giving advice to my younger self okay. and, and other younger guys, is I would say, I think Peterson says, um, be attractive to many women, but only choose one. Mm. And I would reiterate that. Um, and I would say, be attractive to many women, but only choose one at a time. <laughs> it's basically, it's, That's true. you know, you don't need to marry the first person you meet, mm. but at least, you know, I think the good thing a guy should do is commit to one fucking person at a time, you know? Yeah. Yes, it's a sacrifice and they're like, you're not mm. getting to fuck heaps of different girls and have, you know, the girls on rotation or whatever. But like, that's kind of, it, it's a dick move and yeah. it's um, not really conducive, I think, to your very long-term happiness anyway. Yeah. The best thing you can do is sort of improve yourself, find someone like-minded and try and build a life together. Mm. And if it doesn't work out, you gave it your best. You shot. gave your best, and you gave it several ways. But mm. if it works out, you yeah. you can make nice, cute babies and stuff. <laughs> or if you don't want to do that, you don't. But yeah, you go traveling the world. Exactly. You have more money because you didn't have kids, and you 
can have a more happy, indulgent life, mm. but maybe slightly less meaningful. That's subjective. Without kids. It's subjective. Right. I'm not, I don't That's want to another, be mean to another people without kids. Episode. That's right. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Mm. All right. I think All that's right. pretty good. That was good. All right. All right. Cool. How long did that?